This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by Byword. Byword is a fantastic writing app for OS X. It gives you just the tools you need, whether you prefer to write in rich text, plain text, or my favorite, Markdown. Byword helps you get those words down fast and easy with as little friction as possible. It is absolutely my go-to writing app. You can learn more about Byword by visiting bywordapp.com. That's B-Y-W-O-R-D-A-P-P, bywordapp.com. Our thanks to Byword for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Good. Good week? Big week. Really big week. Last Huge couple week. weeks have been oh, too man, big. I'm talk, too talking big. Talking a while. Too big. Yeah. 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 We should, should we talk about a little bit of that? I, I, I think uh, so. Yeah. I mean, I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I got other stuff too. I got some cards. <clears throat> I've written a few things down. But, uh, you know, it's mostly, I think, I think it's good. Mostly we're going to open the phone lines uh, this week. <laughs> Are we doing that? All right. <laughs> You got that set up, right? Ask Faith. Ask Faith. Uh, can you ask Faith to just flip over to the uh, phone line acceptor? I, I do have, actually have phone lines. They're not on. They're not on right now. But I get, get you, a lot of calls. How do you do that? Do you do uh, do you do a, a, a custom holder or a byway switcher or do you do a? Uh, how do you do that? You, you do a flip it's switcher. A, what you... It's a custom thing. It's voice over IP, okay. and uh, it's uh, basically you call it, it. It has like X number of lines that go into a holding queue. You can screen them. You can put in You're little notes. You're being serious. This is actually a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I spent a while developing this with, uh, with uh, a buddy of mine. And we used it, we used it a lot. Uh, but we never got, you know, you never get good calls. Never no, get good no. calls. People don't want to call problem. in. It's like Q&A, Dan. It, it, it's a nightmare. Unless you've, got, unless you've literally picked people out before the show to ask you questions, it's the worst, it's the worst thing literally in the entire world, Q&A. And Dan Patrick does it. doesn't seem so hard when he does it. Who's that? Exactly. Hmm. 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 He just you sits know. there and people call up. Dan Patrick, is that a guy on the radio? Uh-huh. Is that like a morning zoo thing? No, Dan Patrick does the uh, sports. Can not write that down? What kind of sports does he talk about? Well, whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Whatever's in season. like, yeah, like Baseball, football. Whatever I know got. about melons. I know mel- <laughs> melons have seasons. <clears throat> What's, what season is it now? We're just uh, it's can- we're it's not. Up. It's certainly not cantaloupe season. Hmm. I think that that starts that's that coincides with basketball. Basketball's when it's cold, right? That's football. Okay. <clears throat> right. And that's that's is that the one with the steroids? I think they all have that. Okay. Just writing it on my card. Dan Patrick. Um <clears throat> first everybody said um stuff about Steve Steve Jobs and then everybody said everybody's already said things about Steve Jobs. So I'm just going to act like nobody said anything and I'm going to say like 30 seconds of a thing that I think is um Jermaine to the back to work stuff. Um, and that is, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth reiterating that I don't know how much of this you can pin directly on Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs' influence, but I think the takeaway for people who are listening to this um, <clears throat> in terms of legacy uh, for something that started out where it could have gone either way and it turned out pretty good is just uh, this, what I perceive as a, a, a dogged obsession with choosing your audience and being okay with that. In that sense of um, making the stuff that, that you think, yeah, yeah, that you think will sell, but, but making stuff for the audience that you know is likely to buy it and then not getting lost in the chase, you know, for, for what everybody else has decided. Yeah, and it wasn't so long ago that, that a lot of people, including me to some extent, were looking at stuff like the iPhone and going, you got to be kidding me. I remember when Safari came out. When Safari came out, I was like, really? We need, <laughs> this is what you've been working on? Where's my new Mac, right? Well, why, are you, why are you making a new browser? And what I didn't know and what increasingly 
um, I think more people are realizing is that there is an arc to these things, right? I don't know a lot about product cycles. I don't know a lot about business and stuff. But, but what I am very impressed with and what has been incredibly inspirational to me and I suspect has been inspirational to you is um, sticking with the idea of knowing who it is you wanted to light and then doing everything you can uh, to do that. And I don't even think you have to be a quote-unquote genius like Steve Jobs, but I just can't imagine a better way to run your operation than to uh, have a real gut sense of confidence uh, about who it is you want to reach and then not letting other people talk you out of it when it seems like there's a couple bucks that may or may not be around the corner. Because it feels like that's what a lot of other folks are doing right now, and it's not turning out great for them. And so I don't know. I don't know if you would agree with that, but you know, a lot of folks have talked, including me, on the other show. We should mention the uh, the show you put together. Great show. Um, but a lot of us have been talking in terms of our personal remembrances and the desire to make great stuff. And we'll take all that as read. I just want to make sure we mention that, like the Steve Jobsian thing that back to work folks need to think about is um, making a decision that might seem a little bit weird. Um, but in sticking with it, uh, even as you gather new information and, and make new decisions, but also being comfortable sticking with the fact that it is okay for you to choose your audience. And, it, and if you're not doing that, or, or who you want to delight, as Gruber and I like to put it, right? Who, who do you mm-hmm. want to delight? Yeah. I, I don't think you have that much to lose by trying that. And I think you may have more to lose than you realize by chasing somebody else's tail. And you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a tyrant. Uh, but... but I think conducting yourself in a way where you've winnowed down the number of people that you don't have to, that you have to worry about. And then you're okay with the fact that there's a huge number of people you're not going to worry as much about is not a bad way to go. Is that not in some part the Dan Benjamin approach? Oh, I think, I, I think so. And I think when you, when you think it, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough to say when you think about this in terms of what he what he did uh, for people as a career in in his career, and people often feel like like I'm trying to remember the guy was a guy English. Somebody was writing that in the back of their mind, one of the people that they were trying to impress one day was Steve Jobs. Yeah, all, all your guys have talked about that. Marco mentioned that, seeing that somebody had registered a jobs, uh, you know, whatever somebody, you know, had registered an Instapaper account. But everybody thinks that at one time or another, right? I mean, what what if the person that I most admired saw this thing I made? Do you, but you do know? people, do you think people, like, and, and then having that taken away, that sort of dissolves a dream. Or shouldn't people sh- be doing I'm, it for I'm themselves? Not sure it does, because... You know, I, I don't feel qualified to, to pontificate on the idea, not pontificate, I don't, I don't feel qualified to hold myself up as a great example of somebody who makes sterling stuff and sweats every detail because I don't. That's just not my personal MO. But if there's anything I would want to align myself with, it's, it is that idea of, of being okay with the decisions that you do make and then understanding that, that there's not always a good reason to be talked out of it by the, the group that ends up being loudest. But, but specifically to your point, I, you know, just because Steve Jobs isn't around today doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that you really, really want to have see your stuff. Mm. I mean, what's the worst message in the world would be that, wow, if we really lost this one benchmark, we're not going to make cool stuff anymore. I don't think that's the case. I think, in, in, I think having, a, first of all, for practical reasons, it doesn't hurt to have a handful of people that you want to reach. 
I mean, I, I'm not, I won't be shy about it. You know, I, I want to, I want to impress Gruber. You know, I want to impress you. I want to impress uh, Rob Corddry. I want to, if Miranda July, who's really goofy, ever sees my stuff, I'd like her to think it's cool. I mean, there's all kinds of people where I go, I, I really hope I, I don't, I don't suck on the day they see this. But that at a certain point becomes internalized. And it's one thing to go, well, I want to impress Steve Jobs because he's Steve Jobs. But the real Steve Jobs way would be to go, I want to impress myself. I want to make something that's up to my level of taste. To me, that's the difference. If we sit around, and, you know, and there's been a lot of hagiography and anti-hagiography, and it's gotten very emotional, unfortunately. But I mean, I think the heart of it is if you want to be like Steve Jobs, you shouldn't be trying to impress another person. You should be working really hard to raise your own level of taste to where you're constantly trying to reach that level of what, what you believe is top-notch. So, and for me, like, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever reach that. Like Gruber says, he's not sure he'll ever write at the level of feeling like he could write for the New Yorker. But, it, but it's not a bad, a bad thing to have in mind. And the people who do sweat those details, I think will still have lots of reason and lots of audience loving how much they sweat those details, even in the absence of somebody as influential as Steve Jobs. Is sweating the details what made him? Because that, that seems to be the one thing I keep reading is that it was like perfectionism, drive for perfectionism. Do you feel like, is that healthy? Is that something that other people should try to emulate? I feel so, I haven't said a lot about this stuff because I don't, I not only don't feel qualified, yeah. I, I would not want to appear to step on anybody's extremely understandable, emotional, very, very deeply held response to this. But I don't think I know anything about the guy apart from second or third hand stories. Yeah. And, well, who did? And, very few people do. That's right. Even people who, who knew the guy. Right. And, people who worked for him for, for years probably don't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I, I got taken the task a little bit for this when he um, retired or resigned or whatever it is that he did. Um, I, I, I am happy to hear the stories about how important his work is. I was bummed that there weren't more stories about what a tool that guy could be because that's part of what made him so good at what he did. Not a tool. I'm sorry. I don't mean to speak ill, but you know exactly what I mean. If you know a single person who works at Apple, they're not going to say that this guy's like your dad. I mean, this is a guy who had a relentless drive to make everybody around him reach his own standards, which can be brutal to work around. And there's a part of me that wonders if, you know, if we, if we just got lucky this one time, there are a lot of extremely arrogant and... Um, overly confident people making extremely stupid things today. <laughs> I imagine both of the CEOs at RIM are pretty confident they're doing a really good job right now. Um, I don't think that means they're, they're playing in the same ballpark as Steve Jobs. But I mean, I, I don't want to get too bogged down in all this. Like everybody has said and Meta said, lots of things have been said. I, I, just, want to make, I just want to make sure that I, the, the stake in the ground I want to have for the folks who uh, are kind enough to listen to this show is that yeah, there's a message here about quality and about sweating it and about decision-making. You know, tons and tons of decision-making. It's about iteration. Yeah, it's about like not listening to the crowd when the, when the crowd becomes so overwhelming that you just want to give up and go do this thing everybody said you should do. But I mean, whether you're right or whether you're wrong or whether you're good or whether you're bad, it's not that it doesn't matter. It just means that if, you, if you're working toward finding the confidence to be okay with what it is that you're making and have, have the ongoing confidence, hopefully based on reality, that you are delighting the people you want to delight with it, then I can't think of a better thing in the world as a person or as a company. And 
just to repeat myself final time about this, it's that old, it's that old canard about like, I don't understand why all these people with lots of money spend all this money on Apple stuff that I'll never buy. Like, well, what is wrong with these people? And it's like, well, that's exactly the point. You know, they, they've, they've, they've decided who their audience is going to be and it drives people insane. They want this company to start spewing out 35 different models that'll scale across the enterprise. And they're going, you know what? We tried that in the 90s and it was a cluster thing. We're not going to do that again. Here's what we're going to make. We're going to make a couple models of this, a couple models of that. We're, we're reducing the number of SKUs rather than spreading them out. We're making it less confusing for our, the people who buy our stuff. And if that's not something you can grok, there are plenty of other places you can go to buy stuff. Now, of course, on the other side, as, as people like, uh, like, uh, like Tochu uh, have mentioned, uh, <laughs> it does give you limitations. But like the arguments Terrible. people have been... Hmm? Sorry? Terrible. Yeah. Did you watch it? <laughs> yes. Takes, uh, first, it takes the sock off. That, uh, the sock comes off. I'm already, I'm already having trouble watching. It was well. It was, and it was how casually and nonchalantly the sock comes off. But it's it's the way like it's the way it's like, like a little it, kid would stick their finger up their nose and act like nobody would be noticing that. It's like, hey, you understand? We can see your finger in your nose, right? You know that, right? But 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 yes. Okay. So as far as whether that's a prison, I will leave that to other people. We will put this in show notes. I'm not going to mention the man's name because otherwise we'd have to uh, not have any sponsors. That's called the GPL. Mm-hmm. Um, Called the third rail. It's a technical term, but but all I'm trying to say is like uh, the the thing I will agree with some folks on. And gosh, who put this so well? Um, it was uh, over at the Technologizer. Um, great, I was on Twitter with him. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Wow. No, come on. I don't uh, know. McCracken, Harry McCracken, put this really well. Like you know, a jail is a thing you can't get out of. And you know what? I I I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I have a pretty good idea of what I'm giving away by using the kinds of things that I use. I'm not happy with all of those things, but I'm actually like weirdly honest about the things that I don't like with, with the entire Apple ecosystem. There's some, some stuff I really, really don't like. There's some stuff where I cheat a little bit with Apple stuff, where I, I hack things so that they'll do what I want. And then eventually it gets a little bit better, but everything in life is a goddamn trade-off. And if you don't accept that, you're a child. If you want to have an app store that, that doesn't have a bunch of junk on it, you're going to have to accept that somebody's dad is going to have to go in and look at that. If you want to have software that doesn't bring down your entire system, you're going to have to accept things like sandboxing. And if you don't agree with that, I cannot even articulate how okay I am with that. But I have so much respect for a man and a company that would not continually feel the need to apologize for that. That's just burning cycles that you could be, make on, that you could be spending on making the next best great thing. So I don't know. And I don't, you know, I personally, you know me, Dan, I'm not even that, I'm so not interested in most of the nitty gritty of, of the charts and the business stuff and all that. Um, I mean, there's, there's, again, there's plenty of people to do that. If there's any inspiration here, here's the inspiration that came to me. You know, um, there's stuff we do on here where sometimes we speak kind of frankly, maybe we're not right all the time, but we do say what we think. And, and my, I think the unstated footnote to everything we say is if you don't like what we're saying, well, A, we could be wrong, but B, there are a million other people that tell you the thing that you want to hear. You know, I, I like to think that the stuff that we're saying right here is not stuff that you're going to hear everywhere except other places we've said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the inspiration for me is, is that not feeling like you've got to go chase whatever direction the wind is blowing in order to pick up your nickels. Instead, why don't you put your stake in the ground? And mix your metaphors and decide <laughs> whose nickels you will allow 
to cross your hand, right? Mm. That that to me is like when you've got you've gotten where you want to be when you get to decide who's allowed to pay you. And I think that's what Apple has done. You know what? If you if you're looking for a thing where you can own every bit down to the BIOS, please don't let us waste your time. That's not going to happen here. But if you want something that runs and you can do lots of stuff with and it gets a little bit better every year or two, step inside. Mm. So anyway, I'm going to miss the guy. I don't want to bust a guy. Um, the other, many people have busted many guts. Um, and everyone tells you, you don't cross promote enough. So you should cross promote at this point. I'll start by saying um, a special episode that um, I had a, <laughs> two minutes of. It was I, great. You know, Your pace no, was no. great. That's no, not, I, no, it's very bad. It was but, really, but I, really it was short. good. It's short. It was very short. But it's, so if you go to 5x5.tv slash what special? Specials slash two. But I put it put in, a, in the show notes. Okay, anyway, it's a bunch of the uh, nerds and friends of 5x5. And I'll just mention in passing, I also really liked what Marco said um, on his episode. And I, and I really, 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 really liked what Jacer said on Hypercritical. I think, I think Jacer had like a top five commentary. But if you combine what he wrote um, with what he said on what you guys said together on Hypercritical... I think you can skip a, a, a lot of it. No, nah, don't skip it. Read it all. It's great. But, <laughs> but I thought the hypercritical uh, story of triumph, which I'm sure Dan is putting in show notes, um, I thought was really, really quite well done. Thanks. I'm glad you and, were part uh, of it. Really know, glad you were not, part of it. Not we to jump on the cliche train, but you know, our thoughts do go out to the family. Did you ever read the anecdote? <sighs> Did you read the anecdote about um, the guy who was at the high school graduation with Steve, Steve's kids graduating? Did you ever read that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good story. That's a hell of a story. Yeah. And if you need to wait 11, a, a week of news about who's sucking the oxygen out of the vertical, wow, I will find that and put that in show notes because it's, uh, it's really moving. So, anyway. <laughs> on, on with the useless advice. <laughs> well, you know, you, that's the thing is that, is that uh, you're going to move on. You know, it's time to move on. You do, and why, you know me, Dan. I'm a contrarian. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I on the one hand, <laughs> you're like, incorrigible. Boy, I, you know what I am. I think that's it. I'm incorrigible. <laughs> I'm very difficult to fold. Is that what that means? <laughs> so you can't be folded more than seven times. No, unless you're uh, the guy with uh, from the Doobie Brothers on that TV show. Now, irascible means you can't be erased, and inflammable means you might catch on fire. Now, you know they started calling it flammable, even though that's wrong, because people kept accidentally catching on fire because they didn't uh, finish school. Um, Steve Jobs graduation. Oh no, no, I'm gonna get all the speeches anyway. I don't, I don't have a lot for today. I have some things on cards that I've written down. Um, but but I, I uh, you know what I was really hoping? I, I was hoping that. Um, wish the iOS five was out. Is that tomorrow? Is that officially tomorrow? iOS five will be in people's hands tomorrow. Is it? Is it October twelfth? Is it Wednesday when it's out? That's, I think that's right. Hmm. When the does phone, the, uh, the phones don't, in, don't is that, is San Diego away tomorrow? I hope so. Okay. Diary that for next week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? How's the, how's the weather out there in San Francisco? Schizophrenic. Yeah. Yeah. This it's morning, cold. It's this cold morning and was... damp out there at night. Mm, mm, mm. It's, it, was, it was misty this morning, and now it's hot outside, which is weird. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. I, I I will not uh, I will not abide in consistency in my weather. I want it to be fifty three and cold every day. I can dress for that. You know, being wet is a different issue. Now there is it still is it still like in the nineties all the time? 
Uh, it, no, it finally got a little bit uh, down into the you know eighties during the day. Mm-hmm. Got a little. It sounds, it sounds very pleasant. It's nice. No, you know, yeah. low humidity. It rained here. The hmm. lakes all filled up, overflowed, and everything flooded. Can we next? Can we talk about um, my lumbago and hard candy and why nobody's as funny as Jack Benny anymore? Yeah. Okay, I got a new card. Have aging. Do you, when you're done with the cards, do you save them? Do you categorize them, or do you? Yeah, this is another problem. Away? I have a, I have a card here that says chili dog and wrong pen, and under that I'm going to write too many cards. What do you do with the cards when you're done, other than take the pictures? I'm put a fourth item. Poor poor card organization. Um, right now I have a lot of cards spread out um, here in my deskal area, my non minimalist desk. I, I have serious desk issues right now, Dan. Like serious serious like i'm gonna need a margaret mead kind of character to come in with a couple guys with shovels to help me with this i could talk about organization um i could talk about decisions i i i made a crack about decisions last night on twitter and people seem to like that um um i don't know I don't know. What See, do you do I, with I, the I cards? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, prepare because people don't like it when I prepare. What do you do with the cards when you're done with the cards? Do you save them? We talk about index cards. Well, you know that's the beauty of the index card. Where? What it, brand of index cards do you like? All of them. I uh, I I think this is the beauty of the index card is that you can go and and uh, as I think we've talked about before, the whole reason I thought the hipster PDA was in addition to being a slightly funny once joke, uh-huh. the reason I the reason I was actually doing that and continue to do that in some form or fashion is that the index card uh, as a genre is is trivially cheap um, and endlessly uh, flexible in terms of what you can do with it. You could prop up a table, you could help keep a door closed. Uh, you could give someone a very, very small cut. Uh, and then you can organize them however you want. And then, when, and then there's something really satisfying about going and taking a card that you don't need anymore and doing this. Right? And now you've checked it off and that goes in the garbage. So you throw them out. I do. I get really cheap ones. I have to admit that um, when I was in New Zealand and I had to do that talk, I, uh, the talk, actually my uh, quote-unquote slides for that talk, you can see these index cards in them. They make really, really nice index cards there. Like like our, our artisanal index cards, they're very smooth. The lines are very well done. The ones I'm using right now are from the uh, Walgreens. By the way, Occupy Walgreens—that's a hashtag. The um, they're kind of fadey. They're not super nice. I like a nice solid blue line because if it's not a solid blue and pink line, you know what I mean on the index card. No, it generally indicates that the the paper is not very smooth, and I and I prefer smooth paper. But you know what? It doesn't matter. That's the beauty part. I always carry them with me. I carry. Uh, you're you're a field notes guy, right? I use Phil Notes quite a bit, but I do. I if in the office I have, and and have had for many years, uh, you know, and in a four by six stack of four by six. Ah, that's right. You roll. You roll. Uh, roll four by six. Well, for yeah. example, right here, I use these squirrely little soft cover uh, Moleskine notebooks. Right now, yeah. I, I've got hundreds and hundreds of Field Notes books that I that I use. But uh, you know what? Right in here, right now. An index card. I just pop it right in there and it goes with me. Like, uh, why is that interesting? It's not, but that's the fungibility. This is the beauty of the index card. Two people inspired me um, in terms of index cards. Um, well, first of all, taking a step back, I used to love to just, they were free, right? At the library, especially as they were switching over to computer stuff, you could just get index cards, like old, you know, um, like from the card catalog. 
mm-hmm. could just get them because they were given away. If you had to write down a call number, you know, so they're easy. When you're a student, you can just grab a bunch of them, you know, and, and use them. But around the time 43 folders started, uh, two things kind of grabbed me. Uh, one of them was uh, Danny O'Brien doing his Life Hacks talk. One of the things, the original Life Hacks Prime, not Life Hacks, you know, as in doing your dishes, was he discovered how many people in uh, like serious Uber nerds uh, were using index cards. And not, not just for like Agile or XP type stuff, but they were just using index cards a lot for stuff. Um, you know, uh, partly just because of that, uh, I'm trying to use a non-douche word, flexibility. You can use them for whatever, right? And I, uh, and, and this never became clearer to me than when we went in for, uh, uh, having the baby taken out and all the, all the medical people who worked, who worked on my wife, each one of them, all the nurses, very, very busy people. They all had index cards. They weren't walking around with palms. They weren't walking around with, you know, iPhones. It was all index cards. I imagine it's more hygienic. It's much easier, but anytime they had to remember something, they just pulled out an index card. Um, but the, the other one from 2004, uh, when I first read Bird by Bird, the wonderful book by Annie Lamott, uh, she says that whenever she goes out and takes a walk, like walks her dog or whatever, she always has like two index cards in her pocket. Just two, not a hundred. Why not, why not a notebook though? Why not a little field notes, you know, a little notebook? There's no reason, there's no reason not to have a notebook. Uh, notebooks are great. Uh, two things about notebooks, and uh, this is where uh, Chairman Gruber and I differ, is he likes the field notes because you can't tear them out, and right. I like these squirrely moleskins because the last like 20 pages or so are perforated. So these become like index cards for me in the sense that I can pull them out and give them to people. Um, but I think, so number one, I think a notebook can be a lot to carry around for some people, especially if they wear nice clothes and like, you know, don't want to look like they have a fanny pack on. Um but you know what I really like, though, is the uh, the Annie Lamott-ish angle, I think, is the lack of a ramp, right? It, you know, there's been times when I... It's this very ironic pattern that we've talked about before uh, in terms of productivity porn, where you go, oh my gosh, I really want to write. I'm not writing a lot. Got to write, write, write. So I better go buy a $25 Moleskine notebook. And so you do. You go to the store, you buy the Moleskine notebook, and you bring it home. And then what do you do? You do pretty much everything but write in it. Because it's this beautiful artifact. Right, I'm not saying know, everybody, like but I know it. I've done this and I absolutely know other people who have done this. Or you buy one of those journals at the stationery store or whatever, you know, that's, you know, it's got puppies and says my life on the front or whatever. Um, and I think that's that blank page is just as daunting regardless of how much the paper cost. And there's something about an index card that is so modest. You know, it's like writing on the wind. It's, it's like you're not feeling that pressure to do something great. If it turns out great, that's good. But if you're just walking your dog and you said, oh, I, I have this idea for an analogy that may or may not work, or I have this book I want to read that I just remembered, I think the index card is, is good for that. It's, it's really not about the index card in that instance. It's about the pattern. What, what I said in the early days on 43 folders was that the big pattern is not the index cards. It's just not having to worry whether you have a place to write it down. And that's, this is very much related to what you know, David Allen calls ubiquitous capture. You know, once you know, how many times have you or audience you like walked around and gone, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious. I, I, I have so many ideas. I don't know where to write them all down. Clearly, I'm going to lose my million dollar idea because I don't have anywhere to put this. And the nice thing about carrying around something like index cards is you don't, we don't really have that excuse anymore. You, A, you lose the anxiety of worrying about that all the time. But B, you discover that you, most of your ideas are not really million dollar ideas, which I think can be really illuminating. How is illuminating it is, do you make it sound like it's a good thing? It is. 
sometimes sometimes the the best thing that, that, that you can learn is that you're wrong. I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I guess it depends on your reaction to that. How do you well, react? How do you I react mean, like, when you learn that you're wrong? How do you react? How should you react? Oh well, I'm defensive for two years. Um, <laughs> for two for two years. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe longer. <laughs> I've been wrong. I'm wrong a lot, Dan. I mean, I can't get it all right now, you know. Uh, uh, but but you know, I, and again, like we're probably gonna. How is how is finding out that you were wrong or are wrong different from you know? When, remember, a long time ago, we talked about fear of mm-hmm. failure. Yeah, and you know the, the the concept of people who say you know, I I cannot fail. I mu- I, I must not fail. There is no such thing as failure, and not an option. Not an option. Mm-hmm. And then finding out you're wrong isn't that failing, or finding well, out that you failed? I mean, is there is there a difference between failing uh, and and saying I have failed, or finding out that you were wrong and therefore that's a kind of failure? I think probably yeah. I mean, there's also these words have such luggage associated with them when we say fail or we say be wrong. You know, it's it, it feels tied to this notion that there's some kind of like platonic ideal. That is, I think, uh, somewhere between mythical and farcical, and and in the case of failure, quote unquote, it's tied to this notion of um, massive world-changing success. You know, uh, this idea that like you've either become the indisputable champion of everything, or you're just another dick. And I, I think that's so reductive and so damaging on any number of levels. Well, first of all, it's a huge that fear of failure. Um, can keep people from starting anything, as we've said many, many times. But then also that uh, you could really get lost in the opportunity cost or the sunk costs of saying, well, uh, because failure is not an option, I'm just going to keep throwing good money after bad. You haven't looked into um, other options that you know could be good for you, right? You might just go, well, listen, if my last job, my last uh, startup failed, and so this startup must succeed, even if <laughs> sometimes success is quitting. I mean, sometimes success is knowing like, like when to leave, knowing that leaving the burning building is, is more important <laughs> than finishing your TPS report. Like, yeah, that's a kind of failure not to do that, but I'm, you should probably get your ass out of the building. But the, I would contrast that a little bit with being wrong. I mean, just, I think we might have used this example before, but think about judo or taekwondo, oh. where like for the first however long, however many months, all you do is fall down over oh, that's and a over. Great, that's a great one. Like all you do, like here's your job. Your job is show up, get yelled at, do sit-ups and fall down. Please give me my check. Because that's what you do. Your whole, especially in Aikido, your first job is to learn how to, you know, as they say, fall with style, I think we said. Um, <laughs> but so it isn't like you come in and say, okay, uh, Johnny Aikido, sign me up. And the first time you fall down, you go <laughs> and leave. It's like, well, no, that's why you're there. That's, that's, that's the thing. And you get so good at falling down that, that every time you fall down, you get back up. And I, I, I don't mean that in such an, so much of an inspirational way as to, as to just say, well, you know, everybody fails all the time. It's just all this hagiography around people who got lucky once or twice that makes us think that falling down or failing or whatever we want to call it is the end of the world. Did you see that thing in the New York Times? New York Times had a, a New York Times magazine had a, a series a few weeks ago on education. And there were, gosh, probably three different articles in there that were really, really, really good. Um, one of them was about this family that had decided to um, put their kids into complete immersion in this Russian school. I did read that. Yes. That sounded horrific to me at first. It was nightmarish. Yeah. And even actually at the end of it, it sounded horrific. 
But but the one that really got me thinking and freaked me out and made me scared and made me feel bad <laughs> was the one about character. Did you read that one? And and no, uh, I didn't. It, it didn't. It's, not part could, of that article. A different article. I couldn't do it. I'll try to find it for show notes, but I couldn't do it justice trying to uh, translate it here. But um, essentially, it's just this idea that, um, as most of us know from Howard Gardner on down, like there's more to success than just being smart or IQ. False. I think, False. You think it's just IQ? Yeah, you just have to be smart. It's really just a matter of being in Mensa, and then everything else just falls <laughs> in right, place. You just take the test. Look at Gina Davis, huh? Oh. Sure. Please. I'd look at Gina Davis I know. in a heartbeat. That's what I'm saying. The fly. <laughs> Woo. 1986, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. I, I was going to I was gonna ask, uh, I've been asking Madeline to be sexy Chewbacca for Halloween, but uh, I think I'm going to go with green leather skirt, uh, Gina Davis. I'm going to make a note. Oh, card. yeah. Sexy Chewbacca. How great Is that, that a be? separate note card or the existing note card? Uh, I'm going to fork it. I'm going to get a half What I card. like about note cards is... <laughs> The way that I use them, you can have one stack of note cards that are about one thing, another stack of note cards that are about another thing. And unlike with a notebook, where if you you realize something maybe uh, doesn't belong in that one stack, you just pull it out, toss it in the other one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... You're not limited. There's no limits on it. You don't have to have like eight. Because I I do have a notebook, but I usually, you know, it's... I know that what I write in it is about one thing. So then you have what? You have five notebooks? You have 10, 10 notebooks? Well, that's a good point. Can, can we come back to 20 the, notebooks? Uh, what we were talking about a minute ago? Yeah. When we forked off to the other thing. Can yeah. we bring me back to that? Yeah. Um, well, here's the interesting thing about the note cards is that to me, oh gosh, what does Syracuse say I'm supposed to say? It's not lowest common denominator. Which one is it? Uh, the Could, easiest, couldn't, most couldn't basic thing you can have. The atom, the molecule, the something, the mole, like those things are real. Nobody's ever been able to, what is a mole? Nobody's ever explained what a mole. I don't think moles are, I think moles are like snipes. Did like you take what? chemistry? I think you're thinking of Wesley Snipes. Oh, right. He was the guy in the airplane. Yeah, but w- wasn't he the one that uh, evaded uh, his taxes? I don't know. I don't know. I just remember he was a passenger, and I think he was number 57. And then uh, he played baseball with the guy from Cheers. Remember that? Yeah, it that was, was called, uh, called uh, The uh, Fan. Uh, black, black Eyes Can't Catch. What was it? The Fan. Ah, that's right. And that's the one with Patton Oswalt. Yeah, the the one with uh, with the Nero in it where he played the uh, the devil. Right, bang the drum slowly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Huh. Um, it refers literally to writings on the subject of such holy people and specifically to the biographies of saints and ecclesiastical leaders. Talmudic? Hagiography. Ah, yes. It's when you make somebody into an angel, whether they should be or not. It's, it's the halo as in, you know, hagio halo from the, uh, I guess, the Esperanto. I'm not really sure. Used as a pejorative reference to the works of biographers and historians perceived to be uncritical or reverential to their subject. Yes. That's very, very, very well put, Dana. I, I think that was very, very well put. Um, almost angelic in a way. Almost really nearly angelic. And it's hashy. <laughs> Literally. Uh, now here's the thing. You get your index cards and this is, this, this to me is another one of those little mental unit test type things. It's like you get your, you get your index cards and you write your stuff down and you say, okay, well, I'm just going to start for me. Index cards are great for just dumping ideas. Right. And let's, and like, you know, even when they're kind of costly, they're still like a penny a piece. If you buy them at like five, like, you know what? It's like Annie Lamott says, just go donate some money <laughs> to some, you know, to some Save the Trees organization and then just get real comfortable with using lots of paper. It's right? like you're, car- you're balancing your carbon footprint, but on a specific tree level. To quote the incredibly annoying Malcolm Gladwell, he summarized this perfectly. It's not that we need to use less paper, it's that we need to keep less paper. 
Um, and apart from that, uh, I'm just not a fan. He did manage the Sex Pistols in the mid-70s. Did you know that? I, d- I did not. Yep. He's Canadian. <clears throat> Founded Bow Wow Wow. Uh, chili dog. Oh, yeah. Didn't so, they do that uh, song High Voltage? Oh, you're the one by ACDC? Yeah. I think, I'm, I'm not sure. I think you might be thinking of that uh, uh, Van Helsing song. Is that what it's called? Who's the vampire guy? Yeah, Van what's, Helsing, yeah. What's the video where the girls are... are I think you're thinking of Anthony TV? Hopkins. I'm going to have Van Helden. i got to find that. And, but the thing is, you get out your index cards and you start writing. And you ready, 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 write. In my case, these, are, these really can be almost like atoms. I mean, I'm just whatever. It could be a word. It could be a thing. This is a very inbox-ish approach in the sense that this is not a time to organize. This is a time to dump. And so that's what I love about any of these cars. I dump and I dump and I dump and I dump. And, and, and then when you're done, yeah, then you can make little piles, right? I, I know you know this, but, but what the heck? We're talking about index cards. You pile and pile and pile. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because at that point, you can run straight back into the problem that you started with, which is not being sure um, which focal length you're working at. I think a lot of trouble uh, that, that if you like artists creative people run into uh, is not being sure which focal length they're working at. I have a whole theory about this that's really annoying, but I, I, I think that... Um, have I ever told you my theory about this? No, please do. Mm, it's not about index cards. Is that okay? We can circle back to index cards. All right, I'll make a note on my index card to circle back. Yeah, this is where we're really going to lose people, so hang on. Um, you know how I do that whole thing about time and attention? You know, time, time oh, yeah. is the way that you, is your existential resource for making stuff and attention is, you know, what you pay attention to. It's the input, it's the talking, it's all those different things. And I have this notion that, um, that success uh, for most knowledge workers and creative people on some level comes down to how elegantly they can oscillate between time and attention. And they're not, they aren't the same thing. If you could think, think of it this way, think about going heads down on doing some coding. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Like if you're a developer, you really need to go make a bunch of code. No question about it. But another way to look at attention would be like reading your support emails, talking to other developers, learning what else is going on, you know, so that you don't end up making uh, the world's second greatest buggy whip. Right. So to me, that, that's oscillation. This is true in the arts, especially, you know, um, think about how great it is when you get input from people, when you get notes from people. Well, that's a great use of your attention. It's what helps your work improve. You know, you can't help your work improve just by reading Facebook comments. Sometimes you've got to go back and then make those changes. But does that make sense in some ways? Yeah. It's like attention can also be what books you decide to read, what papers you decide. I mean, in what conduits, um, what, it's almost like Brazil. Like, which of these tubes am I going to allow into the little crappy apartment that is my brain? That's a lot of attention management. Is saying, well, you know, for me, checking email 24 hours a day is, is not a useful source of information for the stuff that I need to make important decisions about. That's different for other people, which, as it should be. So to me, that time and attention oscillation becomes important. Now, the real artfulness is, and where the expertise and experience part comes in, is this ineffable skill where you know when to switch time and attention. This is reductive, but just, you know, just suffer me. Like, how do you explain to somebody when they should go get some comments on what they've written? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you know when it's time? These could be happening so quickly in your brain. Yeah. Like, I could be sitting there in TextMate and flying between drafting something and then looking something up in Wikipedia. And then, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, 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 it is truly ineffable. But then the squirrely part of it is, I think the other part of that success is knowing what focal length you're working at at a given time. You know, so like with lenses, right? You got, you got a little short numbered lens, which is going to be like a fisheye, right? And you got a real long lens that would be for like uh, zooming in, right? Is that how that works? Help me out. 
I mean, it depends on if you're talking about prime lenses or not. If I don't get all uh, fancy about it, I'm saying if I if I got my little EFM 50 deal, yeah, that that's gonna be it's even on my lens. crappy camera. That's pretty. That's actually more like a, like a 58 or a 60, right? Please do not email me. <laughs> Service mark mark Um No, but like so, if I'm walking around with a 40, 50, whatever yeah. millimeter on yeah. a regular old sensor, oh, this is so tedious. That's mostly what the human eye sees, right? That's a that's that's a very good approximation of of what a regular person would see. When you take that photo, that's that's what was there. That's what the human saw. Oh, well put. So if if I'm doing that, what do they call that? Uh, you know, it's like what are these called sneaker net, and with cameras they call that uh, like sneaker zoom lens or whatever. Zo- the hell zooming it's. with your feet, yeah. There you go. And so, but even still, like we when we took a took a little time with our family out of town, I, I totally should not. Huh? Where'd you go? Doesn't matter. I I, uh, I should have brought a totally different lens because I love that fifty millimeter Canon lens, uh, and I use it for everything walking around. But but in as much as it is so perfect for a walk around lens in some ways, it's so imperfect for so many things, right? Because what am I going to see? I'm going to see what my eye sees, pretty much. Which means if I'm trying to see something very very far away, it's not, the focal length is wrong for trying to capture somebody a hundred yards away. By the same token, if my kid does something super cute six inches from my face, it's not going to work. You got to have like at least three or four feet for that lens to work. So on the one hand, what your eye sees is perfect for tons of stuff, but then there's trade-offs, right? So if you want to see lots of stuff and you go, so like if I, my walk around when I'm hanging out with my kid is a 28 because it's fast enough. It's like a, whatever, a one point maybe eight. And um, it's fast enough, but the great part is that it's a little bit wider. So I got more time to, get, <laughs> you know what I mean? To get her in the, in the sights than I would with a 50. I could cover more stuff. Now, if you go down to some kind of like Hype Williams video type, like what's a serious fish eye? Like you're getting into like almost single digits, right? Yeah, like 18 would be pretty good. If you got like a full-on fisheye lens, well now, guess what? You can see tons and tons and tons of stuff way more stuff, in fact, than your actual human eye could see. You get something very close to like a 180-degree panorama, I think. Please don't email me. But what do you trade off? You trade off clarity. Everything is distorted in a fisheye lens. So in order to see everything at once, to provide a huge amount of that context to what you're seeing, you give away a lot of accuracy and detail, right? So what you're seeing at 50 millimeters is pretty much what your eye sees, and that's what it's going to look like, and no, nothing looks all screwy. Straight lines are going to be straight for the most part. Um, you go to a fisheye, and you're giving away a lot. <sighs> Sorry, this is so long. At the other end of the spectrum, if you're zooming, 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 zooming in, if you're getting all macro or zooming in, you're going to see an extreme amount of detail about just this little thing. You might, you know what I mean? You might see just the wing of this. If you're, I'm not a camera guy. But you might see just the wing of this fly, and that might be the only thing that's in focus. Mm-hmm. Well, not only is that the only thing that's in focus, but everything else in the world is not even available for you to see. So what's the trade-off there? The trade-off there is for the amount of detail that you provide yourself, you lose the context of seeing everything else. But it's all a trade-off. And I think that's how our brains work. I think, I think the focal length of when you're doing your work means that you, in addition to knowing how to oscillate between time and attention, you also have to know how and when it's time to change your focal length. This is not so different from stuff that Twilight Tharp has talked about in um, The Creative Habit, but I'm not sure if that's making sense, but one example might be if you're trying to write something. 
let's say you're trying to write something like uh, you're Joseph Conrad, like, and you're, you're trying to write um, Heart of Darkness. You know, it's, it's kind of a novel. It's kind of a short story. It's pretty long. Let's say you're trying to write something of... Um, okay, Wolfram Alpha, help me out. Do you use Wolfram Alpha? Yeah, he's pretty cool. He is pretty cool. He knows so many things. It's like, wow. Okay, Wolfram Alpha says that Heart of Darkness is... How many pages? Doesn't say... Anyway, uh, it's, it's probably something, let's say 5,000 words. The point being that like when you dive in, you got your index cards and you start drafting, you start throwing out ideas, you know, um, it's going to be all over the map. You don't know what it's going to be. You are, you are in some ways operating at something like a fisheye level, right? You're gathering all this information. You're just grabbing, 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 grabbing. You're pulling all these little bits of thread together. Um, you know, it's like Twyla Tharp talks about with this everything box. You just throw stuff in a box without regard to whether it's going to be useful for anything. And you're gathering, gathering, and gathering, gathering. And then eventually you're going to try and start putting that stuff together. Now, the funny part is you may not even really be ready to look at that at that medium 50 millimeter level yet. You may find the most clarity about what you want to write or what you want to say by zooming, zooming, zooming in. You may discover after you've gone through the fisheye and the sorting and the, all of that stuff where you go, wow, here's this one little idea that I did not know was what I wanted to talk about. And you might go and write one extremely detailed paragraph about that thing, right? It could become the lead. That could become, you might, you might even throw that out eventually, but the point is you found your hook. And every writer wants to find what his or her hook into the story is. What is the thing that I'm trying to say here that I did not know that I wanted to say? But then the interesting part and the challenging part is knowing how deep or how far back to go. In my case, I've always felt a lot of anxiety about going really deep or really zooming in, if you like, for fear that, that I, I'll lose track of the bigger picture. And the irony for a lot of us, including me, uh, of course, is that it, is, it can be very comforting to spend a lot of time at that fisheye level where all you're doing is moving index cards around because mm. that can feel very comforting, right? And so what do you do? You take your index cards, you go, well, you know what? These index cards are insufficient because they lack the taxonomy that I need in order to really take all of my wonderful thoughts and have them correctly organized. So then you start buying color index cards, then you start buying index cards that are gummed on the back so you can stick them on the wall. I hear all of this secondhand about other people. I do know what happens. So anyway, uh, 45 minutes later, I think there's two very interesting axes at play here. If you're going to make stuff, uh, if you're going to try and do anything, and if you're going to try and get better at it, on the one hand, you have to know, you have to learn by observation and experience when you're spending too much time on this one piece, when you should be paying attention to something else, and when you're spending, spending too much, so much attention on this other thing that you realize eventually you should be spending time on something. And as I like to say, the better you get at that, the more that spending your time rewards you by showing where to focus your attention and the more that spending your attention on the right things tells you where to focus your time. And then to me, um, the focal thing comes in. We can come back to that. We should talk about a sponsor. Okay. You like sponsors? I think they're important. Yeah. I think well, our, you know, our sponsors you, uh, are very important. You sure? You're not against sponsors? Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, how many... How, what, what do you think is the, the right balance with sponsors? If you give somebody, you know... How many they sponsors? Should all, they should in a, all be good. That's how many sponsors right. in like a like a thirty minute? How many sponsors every thirty minutes would be reasonable for a? That's a, that's a hagiographic question. Like how many angels <laughs> can you fit on the head of a pin? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, it depends. Is it imperial metric pin? Empirical is the word you're looking for. Oh, I'm sorry. I I think you're. You know, uh, we got a new member of the five by five family. I know you know this. Who you is know about Squarespace? Oh, Square. Oh, I love them. God, they're so good. Yeah, and and now now they're. 
they're, they're, they're all in, right? They're, 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 oh, they're, other they're programs too. they are as in as you can be. Yeah. Aren't they, they nice are, to work with? They're amazing to work with these people. It's every, it's weird because at some point you feel like you're going to run into somebody at an organization because it feels too good to be true. And everybody's nice. Everybody's like, yeah, we have great ideas and we love your idea. And you're like, come on, you know, let's, let's talk to the guy who's a jerk. And then there isn't one. <laughs> Could you put the weirdo on? Yeah. Put the one weird yeah. guy. We know you've got a weird. No, we're all cool. Yeah. They're, and they all look, they all look like George Clooney. They're handsome. You should go look at that page. It's a good looking bunch. I think yeah. they, they have all, almost all of them have professional haircuts. Oh yeah. And you just don't get that anymore, Dan. You, no, you can't cut my own, the way it is living in New hair. York. You know what it costs for a haircut? I don't. I haven't cut my. I don't either. Been cutting right. my own hair for years. I should find that out. So, what, if, what do you if know you could call this hair, uh, what well, do you know? Here's what I know: mm-hmm. fully hosted, check. Completely managed, check. Beautiful websites built in, check. But who's it for? It's for anyone. You want to create an extraordinary website? You use Squarespace. That's how you do it. Your blogger, sure. Businesses, yes. Photographers, of course. Doesn't matter. That's why I love it. And, and, and so listen, we've got people like uh, Horace Dedu who doesn't listen to the show. Mm-hmm. And he wants the statistics. He wants the analytics. He wants the data. You can get that. It's all there and it's real time. Did you know that you real time? That. If you're going to make a pie graph, you're going to need some kind of numbers. Stack chart. Sure. Stack and chart. that's what they give you. They give you that, but they give you the custom CSS. Uh, they give you uh, all kinds of import stuff. Can I, can, I, can I tell you what I'm excited about? Please. I haven't talked to you about this. I think it's, I hope it does not upset you. I'm ready. <clears throat> I know, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to upset you. I, you know, I have, I have another podcast. I know. Okay. It's well, all, all <laughs> Skype sounds. The whole thing is Skype sounds calling and hanging up. Thanks. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. I, well, I heard that and I said, something's obviously yeah. wrong with my computer. Shut the whole right. thing down. I had to close it down. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. Uh, but here's the thing. I was thinking about what I want to say about Squarespace this week, and I was realizing as, as I was getting this site set up... Uh, Wait a minute. You're no... saying you can host a podcast with them? Dan, would you believe that on <laughs> your Squarespace site, you could have your own podcast built in? I, I would... I would. I would that is believe literally that. the worst accent of. I just I was, usually I, you're I so good with the voices. That one actually really wasn't that good. I think I might have been having a stroke. <laughs> do you smell toast? I do. It's a little burning smell. It's the smell of other web hosts going down because Squarespace is so good. It's called a <laughs> uh, what do you call it? segue. Um, here's the thing. So so. Um, you hear so much about all these sites, blah, blah, blah. They do these things, diddly, diddly, dee. And like, I've been using this <laughs> for the last month to do this thing. And it had not even occurred to me like how easy it is that it's just, it's so easy that it's something I should mention on here, which is this. So, so basically one of the reasons, obviously you wouldn't want a website is for something like a blog, right? Something where you've got the classic blog thing of having a dated thing with a headline and links and all that kind of stuff. First of all, that's all super easy to do on Squarespace. You already know that because you're probably already telling your friends about Squarespace. What did not sink in with me until like this last month is that when you go and you set up one of these, they call it a journal, but you go and create a new journal. You give it a title, you give it a, you know, a, a URL, you, you pick all that stuff. You go in all the, all the keywords, all that kind of stuff that you're going to want in there. How do you want your dates? How do you want your comments? Off in my case. All this stuff. <laughs> well, you know what I never spent any time on was scrolling down a little bit further where it lets you enter in all of the iTunes tags. So you can go in there and say, you know what? This should also, when, in the RSS that this puts out, make it podcasty. 
So anything that is an attachment for this post, that's part of my podcast. So you can actually go in and pick stuff like what is the name of your show? What is the copyright? What is the all the stuff that you would have to do to submit a podcast to uh, iTunes? You can even go it. in and do stuff like substitute it. Like if you've got a feed burner feed you'd rather do, it'll fix that for you. Wow. No plugins necessary, no any of that stuff. But I that blew me away to begin with. Like how easy that was. Like did you know did you know Dan that you could do that? I well I know it now. You know it now if you weren't building your own CMSs on the weekends, this is the kind of thing you could use. Now here's the sexy. All you have to do is go and create a new blog post. There's a nice little tab you click on and you just type, you, you, can, you can type in uh, what, what, what you want that attachment to be called and then you can just link to wherever your, your file is hosted. Now here's the sexy part. If it's a relatively modest sized podcast and you're better at compressing than I am, um, I think it's up to 20 megs. You can do the attachment right there. And it's, it's hanging right off their thing. I think, I think for most people with bigger podcasts, they might want to host that somewhere else. But if you're getting started and you want to just talk about your coffee in the morning, this is pretty much an all-in-one solution. It's all, it's all right in there. Um, and so I would encourage you to go and, and check that out. There's actually a page that we can send you to where you can learn about this. You know, you know, Dan, I went to college. It was a state school in Florida, but I did go to a college. I did not know about these things until very recently. You can do the trackbacks. You can do the updates. You can do references. You can do all this cool stuff, and uh, you don't need a bunch of plugins and junk. You literally hit a couple buttons, and you got a website. iPhone app. Except not literally. iPhone app. Oh, have you used it? Have you yes. used the iPhone app? Yeah. They have a really, really pretty iPhone app. It makes it very easy to go in and create and edit posts and look at your statistics and all of that stuff right on there. We've got to save some of this because the they're going to be sponsoring us for a while. So we, we have to save some of these. Right. Um, here's the thing. I'm going to say this again. It's a shame that you hear names of stuff over and over and over again and then it becomes like background noise, very much like me. Now, I want you to understand, I want you to go and try Squarespace because it actually is extremely cool and I actually am using it for Roderick on the line. Google it. <laughs> Snucky, that's called SEO. Nice. Roderick on the line. Nice. And uh, we, we, you know, we, we have almost a thousand subscribers. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, but it, is, it is quite easy to use. And Dan, I believe, actually, they have done something special just, just for this show, except for they're probably doing it just for the other shows too. You go to squarespace.com slash back to work. No spaces, just back to work. And if you sign up for one of their accounts there, you can use the coupon code Merlin Loves Us. And you will get, I believe it's 20% yeah, off 20%. of the next six months. That's October correct. only, 20% off the next six months with Squarespace. And that is a pretty screaming deal. Uh, we'll put that in show notes, squarespace.com slash back to work. And the code Merlin loves us. <laughs> <laughs> I love the ones on other shows too. What was, what was the one on, on Hypercritical? Uh, I, I don't want to cause uh, pollution. <laughs> right. Don't use, use the Merlin code for this show, but it was <laughs> Emotion Chip 10. <laughs> So great. And, and another host was... Uh, Marcos was, don't email me, don't 10. Email me. <laughs> I love it. But don't use this. No, use... those guys are... There's a lot of hagiography about those guys, but they're both really bad people. Did you know that, you know, John Syracuse is a really bad guy? I didn't know. I did not, I did not know that. I know he's, mm -hmm. he's inflexible. It's, well, every time he buys himself a new fancy TV, he makes one of his kids <laughs> live in the old one, literally. <laughs> Also, I heard Marco's dogs aren't that happy. They don't even like Brooklyn. Oh, why would you get a dog? It's so weird. Why would you live in Brooklyn? I don't Strange. understand it. 
Ah, so Squarespace, thank you very much. We genuinely like these guys. Sorry, that was longer than uh, than we usually do, but I really like them. I want you to go there, and I really want you to try it. Like, I know you don't like me, but you like Dan, right? Like, like give it a try. Uh, squarespacecom slash back to work, and uh, we thank Squarespace very much for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Chili dog. I left my pen at home, so I had to get a different pen. Butterfinger butter bar. <laughs> Save it. <laughs> so what's going on? What's up? What's up? Uh, what were we gonna? What were we? We're almost done here. What were we gonna circle back to? Uh, we got the uh, oh the failures stuff. Yeah. You don't want to talk anymore about my theory. Probably that's that's, that's I have a drawing I can share with you. Is it like a sketch or a diagram? I think any kind of a mental model is a goofy thing because it is mental, meaning it's in your head, and it's a model, meaning it doesn't work. Right. So. I don't know if that's accurate. Could you check that out? Models sometimes work. Yeah. My, uh, we've been watching, uh, watching the cars a lot. Did, did you know that number 43, the king, is literally Richard Petty's car? Did you yeah, know that? Yeah, I did. There's, did you know you can race? There's like, you can see cars race. Did you know that? Mm, yes. Like on TV. Funny cars. Funny cars. No overpass, no underpass. Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's free baseball bath. Have you ever thrown a spark plug at a grown man? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like his Squarespace. <laughs> um, I see, okay, here's the thing. I, I don't know if any of that stuff makes sense. It probably doesn't. Mental models are as useful as they can be, right? It's the map, not the territory. I just think that's a useful way of thinking about it. When we get hung up on this stuff and we start thinking about whether we need better index cards, and yes, this is a theme that comes up every sixth episode, sorry. But, you know, for myself, when I get hung up on that, it does help me to ask myself a pretty basic question. And I'm basically doing a test against that little graph that I just described. If you can imagine like an x-axis, of time and attention, and like a, a, like a y-axis involving focal length, I, I try to ask myself, if I'm hung up on this, um, am, I, am I spending my time and attention on the right things? And then if I am doing that, uh, is there a chance that I'm maybe at the wrong focal length? Um, and I admit that this is a squirrely and incomplete theory, but that's how I roll. So, so if I'm finding that I'm really getting frustrated because I bought this costly $25 notebook and now I'm scared to write in it, well, it might be worth asking myself if I'm not really ready to write in it yet, right? I'm at a stage at that point where I'm saying I am ready to spend a lot of time writing words, which translated into our system would mean a huge and focused expenditure of my attention at a very zoomed-in focal length. Well, maybe a better way to look at it would be Maybe I need to spend a little bit of time at this fisheye level just writing a bunch of crap down. Maybe I'll feel better about writing stuff in that notebook once I feel a little bit better about knowing what it is I'm trying to say. Right? Think about how that procrastination stuff works. In the classic David Allen kind of GTD model, the reason we get hung up on this stuff is because we may have mental dependencies or barriers that we're not acknowledging. Like whether they're real or not, they're still kind of there, which makes them real. So does that make any sense, Dan? I mean, I think it could be true with, with, with coding stuff too. I think it could be true with art. I think it could be true with work, right? If you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're not getting the progress that you want, it's worth asking yourself. And, and again, understand, I'm not, I'm not saying this like a guru. I'm not telling you to go manage your time and manage your attention. Like you'll, you'll do that if you're smart. What I am saying is that it's not as simple as just managing it. If, you know, it, it's just, it is really in some ways what it's you know if you've got two hands it would benefit you to use both right um you need a break and an accelerator in some ways and you know 
remember we talked about the, the whole care thing, the care and sacrifice we talked about not mm. too long ago? Yeah. Where, you know, it's easy enough to say, well, you don't care about it, therefore you're not sacrificing. But then there's that slightly smaller slice of the pie, which is what if you're sacrificing way too much for something you don't care about? A lot of people would never think to ask themselves that question, right? So it's easy for Merlin to beat up on you and say, you know what your problem is, idiot? You look at Facebook too much and that's, that's not a great use of your attention. Well, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the truth is you're spending all of that attention on Facebook because you're not sure where else to apply your time. So something's got to rejigger. You know, David Allen talks about this thing called the mental sweep, which all the GTD nerds know about, where you just dump everything that's on your mind. You just sit and write and write and write. Your pen's not allowed to stop moving for like 20 minutes. Everything that's on your mind, every obligation you have or may have goes on a sheet of paper. And like the difference in your life from before that 20 minutes and after that 20 minutes, uh, it's the difference between lightning and a lightning bug to, I think, quote Mark Twain. It's, you're not going to believe the difference because you're going to go, oh my gosh, I'm so bananas. I can't believe I was trying to hold all of that in my head. That's completely ridiculous. Why did I feel overwhelmed? Well, I'm overwhelmed because I had all this junk floating around that I may or may not want to do something about. Now that required um, a very broad use of your attention and an extremely broad use um, of, of your kind of focal length, right? You've got to think about everything that's on the horizon but then, once you've done that, now you have the option of choosing to zoom in and then it's zoom in on any of that stuff that you'd like to focus more attention on, right? But then what happens? When you zoom in on other stuff, you got to unfocus on other stuff. And, and I think that's true for, for tactically getting things done today with a sheet of paper and a pen. And I also think it's true in our general uh, life and work. If you're zoomed really far, to do really great work at some point, you will have to zoom in. Steve Jobs got to be Steve Jobs in part because he could zoom in on a detail. He could say, no, I want those rectangles to be rounded. And everybody else said, you've got to be kidding me. A, who cares? And B, it's impossible. <laughs> but somehow they worked it out. He cared a lot about rounded rectangles. Yeah. But that all was operating in the context of this much broader amount of information that he was taking in and how that fit in in context. So the problem is, though, if you get way too zoomed in on what you're trying to do, while your brain is unconsciously kind of nervous about what it's not looking at, that's when you're going to procrastinate because you haven't made a decision about what shouldn't even be in your focus. And that's probably enough about uh, fake photography. <laughs> so anyway, chili dog. Yeah. It was everywhere, Dan. I had a chili dog blowout. It was awful. Wait, what do you mean blowout? Well, it was on my keyboard. It was on my cards. It was on my new pen. I don't love this pen. What kind of pen do you write with? <sighs> I know you go back and forth with these fancy ones. get into this. This is two shows. Two shows? Well, this could be two shows. The one I'm writing with right now is from the Walgreens, Occupy Walgreens. I'm using a, a Zebra F301 that's meh. It's okay. But, you know, a cheap pen on a cheap index card, you know, that's like being stuck in a public restroom, you know? <laughs> I mean, it works, but it's not fun. That's one to grow on. Hey, can I tell, can I tell you about another, uh, another sponsor of ours? Of course. You ever write anything? I I haven't written really. Yeah, but you write sometimes. Yeah, a lot. Sometimes you collect your index cards and you decide to put something together. Is that right? Work on a manuscript, a novel. Okay. Well, on a good day, I do write stuff. In you write a year. lot. How's that book going? Yeah, I'm sorry. The Skype was artif artifacts. Is that an artifact? <laughs> something. We'll a, edit that out. I'm sorry. I lost you on my artifact. Um. 
And here's the thing. Uh, I, 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 I do like different modes. I do like sometimes writing on index cards. But the funny thing is when I finally get honest with myself and I say, okay, enough, go make words, I do end up writing on my computer set. I will sit, I'll sit down on my Macintosh computer set and I, and I will write things. And for the last probably like three or four months, my go-to app for that, um, for a long time it was TextMate, but nowadays it is something called Byword, which you can uh, check out at bywordapp.com. And um, it's, it's just, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. There are so many great apps right now for writing stuff. Um, but I think Byword distinguishes itself. Um, for one reason above all else, it is really, really good at doing stuff with Markdown. Now you are, uh, so, so for those who don't know, Markdown is this, well, you know, <laughs> you, you know, and you're sick of hearing about it. But Markdown is this subset of HTML that lets you do all kinds of writing super fast in text files. And that's everything I do is in text files. So anytime I want to write something, I just pop something up um, inside of uh, ByWord. It's a fully compliant Lion sexy app with the full screen and whatnot. It is, it is uh, just gorgeous to use. Uh, but here's the really neat thing. Um, I don't want to name names, but I'm going to name names. So like, I like writing in TextMate because it has that language support, right? I like the fact that when I type a bullet being asterisk, space, string, and I hit return, like TextMate knows that that should be a bullet under there. TextMate can be a little bit nerdy and a little bit fiddly when I just want to write. And I also really like apps like BBEdit. I, I really like BBEdit, but like BBEdit doesn't support the language stuff that well. So it doesn't know that that should be a bullet, I think, as far as I know. Um, and, and what I love about uh, ByWord is not only does it know that, but it handles it really, really well. It just, when you select stuff and hit bold, it makes it bold and you just keep moving. And then on top of it all, it knows which part of what you're writing are your words and it knows which parts of it are just markup stuff, right? So when I'm typing along on my little black screen, all my letters are good and white and just really cool looking, but things like the octothorps that indicate a heading, things like the asterisks that re represent a bullet, anything that is a link, it's all just a little bit grayed out, a little bit darker gray, so it sort of recedes into the background so that even though all that stuff is there, I don't have to look at it. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about I here? I do. So, I mean, and there's always, you know, there are many, many different kinds of apps that do this. This one just feels really, really good to me. I like the way that it works. It is very easy uh, to export it as HTML, as Markdown, as what, whatever you want to do. And to tell you the truth, like a lot, of, a lot of the reason I love text is that I can and do use many different apps. So, for example, if you like using uh, Brett Terpstra's Marked app to do your previews and you like using TextMate to do all your, put in your JavaScript stuff, you can still use by word to do the actual writing. I would really prefer to use this to make the words, and that's what I do. Right. But it doesn't mean I can't take it someplace else. It syncs up with all of my text editors uh, through Dropbox. Uh, it syncs up with everything on, uh, on my iOS devices. It goes everywhere with me. And I have all these little 4K files that run my entire life. Um, it, is, it is, I must say, an app that you can use as a quote-unquote distraction-free writing environment. I personally don't heavily use it that way. If you are the sort of person who likes that, you're in luck. Because you can do stuff like say, I only want this paragraph that I'm typing right now to be a little bit brighter than the rest. The rest kind of recedes into a darker background. You could even say, I believe you can say, like just this line should be lit up. And so whatever you're working on right now is what gets your attention. And yes, you can do this in full screen mode. It works beautifully. Um, uh, it does full screen mode on, uh, uh, what's the one before Lion? the uh, Snow Leopard as well. But uh, it's a beautiful app. And, and here's the other thing, uh, the final thing. Um, 
George, and I think his name is uh, is Ruben, is the other guy. Um, they're really good with the support, and this is important. I talked to some folks this morning who were asking me to give them some notes on their software and whether I liked it. And I, you know, anybody who develops software knows that the code is hard, but the customer support can be a lot harder. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's why Dan's sorry to lose you as a listener. <laughs> you know, I made an RSS feed for that. Sorry to lose you as a listener. You know, I made that an RSS feed, right? No, you did. Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm working on doing it as a whole Tumblr or as a Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a pain. It's hard. Not a pain. It's a loving pain. But you ask anybody who makes who makes software, and and as much as as you may have one problem with something, like there's a hundred other people who are having problems too potentially, and it can be really hard in a small group to be great at that. And these guys are really great at that. They actually they do answer answer their emails. They are updating. They have had seven giant updates to the app in the last few months, and uh, this is a funny one. They sent me a toot that somebody put up. I would not I would not guarantee that you will get the same thing. But somebody wrote to the Byword folks and said that they didn't like writing with white text on a dark background. Uh, so they made a special build for her with the text color that she liked, this blue color that she liked better. I'll put that in show notes. But that's, I mean, to me, that's responsiveness. You know, um, there are a lot of people making a lot of great apps, uh, but it, it's nice to know that they're going to be around for a while. They're putting a lot, these guys are all in. Uh, they're doing a great job. And, uh, and I was a fan. But before I was a, uh, whatever I am, a, a recipient of their uh, largesse. But um, please check out bywordapp, bywordapp.com. Strike that, bywordapp.com. And uh, it's a really beautiful app. I think you'll like it a lot. I think it could make you write it again, uh, Dan, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to have to try this thing. Yeah. You know, you, you keep screwing around with those notebooks. You should, you should sit down. You should sit down with your computer set and do some typing. Yeah, no cards now. Do you write? You don't write in Markdown, right? Four by six. Four by six. That's too big. That's too big. That's what Letterman uses. He goes four by six. Well, I have a lot to write. A lot of different ideas. I do little drawings. I, I can't believe I don't know this. You must have said this, but do you use Markdown? I, Not really. You know, I'm I'm kind of. I'll take that as a no. I mean, I don't I don't like that. Did John? You know, invented it. Oh, sure, sure. So that yeah. that's a whole that's the reason that I but I mean I can like I can use it I I do use it if I you know what, whenever you know I write I something like, on high volume I, I don't like that he's not going to hear that you said that today that's no, my problem he'll never hear he he is a bad person now I love it I love man I gotta say uh, so you know just to to just kind of pseudo in this part um we're we're just we're super grateful and it is it is a um it Buy, is, it is bywordapp.com Bywordapp.com. Bywordapp. Bywordapp.com. But we're super, super thrilled to have them as a sponsor, and they're uh, they're good people. So please check them out. May I start writing um, again because of this thing? It's really nice. Start writing. Well, here's the thing, Dan, and this is this is a tangent. I don't usually do tangents, but it is a it is like the golden age of text right now. And if you are a text person on a Mac or you know Apple iOS OS 10 device, like thanks to people like Brett Terpstra and thanks to stuff like Markdown, man, if you're following. If, well, if, let me put it this way. If you're not following how quickly things are moving um, in the world of text and markdown and syncing and text editors, it's it's just bananas. I mean, a couple that come to mind, um, Brett, you know, Brett Terpster, who you should be, you know, Mr. Useful, check him out. He's the best. Um, you know, he has this great thing called uh, Marked, which is an app for just, just previewing in Markdown. Oh, you know, another, new cool, another cool thing I didn't mention is increasingly these apps are supporting full-on multi-markdown. So if you've got stuff like little like titles 
or any metadata that multi-markdown supports up in your header, it's not going to show up in your preview. It knows to grok that as metadata, which is, which is actually super cool because it can be very annoying to have that show up in your previews. Um, but like Brett has, has this whole set of like OS 10 services that makes it really easy to bring Markdown with you in, in wherever you are on your Mac. There's all kinds of services now to do stuff like, you know, he just did a bundle for TextMate to open this item in Marked. Um, anyway, it all just works together. And uh, boy, what's the latest one I got? I forget who linked to this. But have you seen this new iOS app? Is it Textastic? I've not I seen mean, this. Um, I think it's Text... It's an iPad app that's... It's not perfect for me, but it sure is interesting. Um, it supports 80 different kinds of highlighting, including HTML, Perl, PHP, SQL, SQL, whatever, and so on. You should just check it out, the text textasticapp.com. Super interesting. Um, and it's got a bunch of the themes <laughs> from TextMate in it. No kidding. It's got, it's got like Sunburst and Twilight. It's even got Zenburn-esque and stuff like that. And then it syncs with all these different things. I don't know. I just, this should be a whole episode, Dan. Maybe, you know what? Maybe for next week's show when it's okay to talk about stuff, just between text, markdown, uh, the increasing number of iOS apps with a send to function. Have you, do you use that much, the send to no, functionality I, I, between I, apps? I, don't, I never use that. Well, you know, like if you if you encounter uh, an EPUB doc, you can say, and, and you click on it, it may say something like send to any of these following apps, including iBooks. You just send it right over there. Yeah, but I mean, you can open stuff in Stanza Book Editor and huh. send it to iBooks. You can do stuff, the one that's blowing my mind right now, this is a very uh, David Sparks-esque thing, but I could be type, type, typing along in Omni Outliner on my iPad and, you know, you escape out, not escape out, but, you know, you go to the little <sighs> point is, instead of like saving it to somewhere, you can send it to iThoughts HD and it turns it into a brainstorming uh, mind map. <laughs> when you're in iThoughts, you can hit send to Omni Outliner and it will send it. It's mind boggling. So even try as this. Apple is trying to get us sort of locked down into this, this weird change in the document model that has me a little freaked out, there's more and more stuff, more and more of the best apps, in my opinion, on uh, for iOS are letting you or encouraging you to move between apps just using these basic standards that are honored by everybody. OPML and text, man, that's you can run the world with OPML and text. You don't do a lot of that stuff, Dan. You mostly you watch your you watch your sports games hmm. and you send emails and monkeys kissing. What else do you do on your phone? On my phone, you go places with faith with your phone, right? I I take the phone with me everywhere. Me too. I like my phone. I never thought I'd say that. I like my iPad. I just don't understand why they don't have a four-inch screen and a seven-inch screen and flash. I don't know if we need the bigger screens. No. So you getting? Is your phone arrived tomorrow? Uh no. It's uh that tomorrow's Wednesday. I think they get here. They're supposed to get here Friday, but you know, there's always that hope that. Uh, I thought it was at your post office. Well, it's at the main post office, but I. It seems like they they're there and then they hold them. All the more reason they're probably open to a bribe. There's a lot of people working there that could they could spray paint over a camera. There's no way that they could know. I just see that. I don't think they'd spray paint. I just think they'd, you know, put a little sock over it. You comment a lot about tipping in such a way that makes me think you're not much of a tipper. All respect. Let me ask you this: Do you know how to bribe people? I'm, I've never bribed. I've, I do tip, and I I am I am. Mm. I try to be sensitive. To the right way to tip. And and the question that I had, I think you're referring to recently is, mm. 
was TV it, delivery. Yeah. Was it uh, was it a TV delivery? Do you tip that guy? Do you tip the people? Like if you if if you hire someone to do repair work around your house, you're paying them directly. You don't tip them, but like today. So I moved. I moved to Texas. That wasn't today, but you know this. And in Florida, we've got the one license plate. And in Texas, they've got one in the front and one in the back. So the car doesn't even have a bracket or anything on the front. It doesn't even have that. So you they, don't have to, to, they don't even know how to make those in Florida. So you have to go and you go to the dealership and you tell them what you want and they pick out the little parts that you need. And then uh, I said, is this thing hard to put on? Is it easy to put on? They said, I, you know, it's pretty easy, but don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll have a, you know, hand this to, you know, they, they hand me this stuff. She says, just hand this to one of the guys. They'll throw it right off for you. I said, okay. So I started to freak out because I only had two bucks on me. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to tip the guy. So I asked the lady, I said, listen, is there an ATM? I want to take care of the guy, you know, make sure he's all right. And she's like, oh, no, we're not allowed to accept any tips. We're not as a rule. We, you cannot, please don't, please don't. And she was really cool. So I, I knew she wasn't, you know, she wasn't trying to screw the guy over. Hmm. But I would have tipped him. I would have given him, him a handy. Hmm. Here's the thing about tips. They can always say no. Right? This is the thing. And they this can't, is, what, what was though. The actual... They can't in this economy. <clears throat> well, what, what was the word uh, Gruber used prodigiously? What, I tip, what was it? Profusely. Was it? Profusely. I also tip profusely. And like, we were checking, I think I told you this, but was it? Yeah. We we're checking in uh, to our uh, Virgin America flight. Don't be oh, creepy. Where were you headed? Doesn't matter. And, uh, and, I, and I gave him a 10 for, t- for two bags. And first of all, they looked at me like I was out of my mind. They said, and they ran out, no, sir, we can't accept tips. And, uh, and I said, it's no problem at all. No problem. Thank you. I just want to let you know. Thank you very much. And you know what they said? They said, thank you very much for offering. Here's the thing. If they can't take a tip or won't take a tip, they'll tell you so. But seriously, it's like a hand job or a Coke. Nobody's going to say, no way, screw you. They're going to at least consider it. Because most people are thirsty. But then you're putting, if, them in a, you're putting them in a difficult You're putting them in a position situation. of feeling loved. And in America, it's great to feel loved. <laughs> oh, God. You know? And everybody loves Coke. You want to button this up? Do you ever work at Publix? No. Tipping is allowed at Publix. Don't even offer it. I worked there. I was at Publix two weeks ago, and oh my God, I miss Publix. I'll see you were down here, down the southeast, huh? It doesn't matter. I miss Publix. I didn't know how much I miss Publix. You can, you can move your carts through the aisles. There, there are people at the check stands. When I worked uh, there, we had to wear food butt, on the shelves. Button-up shirts, tie, sure. green apron, uh, slacks, and a pair of black leather shoes. Should I iron your slacks? Of course. Sure. Iron that's, everything. That's what makes the I shopping still do. a pleasure. Still do. Yeah. Iron everything. Really? Oh, yeah. You strike me as being a little tightly wound. Huh. I, want, I would like to talk to your lady someday with all respect because I have been gleaning little bits of information about you for, for almost a year now. And, and the, the picture that I have put together... Oh, she'd love to, she'd love to talk to you. You... You had to have an oven that was very easy to clean. Uh, when Marco remarked about travel mugs and he mentioned that coffee might sit in a mug for more than a moment, hmm. I think you got visibly sick. I couldn't even see you. I could tell you were visibly <laughs> sick. I get the feeling your kitchen's pretty clean right now. You think so? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think, I think your, your uh, concept is a little, a little whacked. If I, if I can fit the coffee pot into the sink, I'm good. That's, to me, I, you know what? I can make a path. I'm like a Boy Scout. I want coffee so much. Yeah. Yeah. You button this up? I kind of like it. I kind of feel like we're hitting a groove. 
Oh, I'm happy to keep going. Are you you like your shows to be good though, right? No, but this is your show. Oh my god, I'm so angry this right is your now. Show. Oh, I got language support in my angry now. You know, Sandy did a piece in that uh, in a special. It was nice. It was very nice. They were god, they were so they were smart. they were all nice. So yeah, it was smart. it was good. It was good. I uh, no, not gonna say. I had something extremely ambitious planned before I found I found out I had 40 minutes to turn it in. I had something really, really cool planned. Now, I'm not going to do it now because it's too late, but okay. I think it was good for... Mine was good given it was really that good. I had 40 minutes to do it. It was really good. And the whole time you're like, why is it... Where? What's going on? He why is it so loud? Yeah, yeah, he couldn't have stepped into it. And then you realize where you are and it becomes very poignant, very touching. And Aww. I thought it was really great. She was a good girlfriend too. That was really dumb. Really dumb. Wow. She's from New Hampshire. Huh. You ever work on a Magnavox video writer? I'm going to button this up. Needed special paper. I love you. Love you too. 